Hi, thanks for joining me on Fuel Radio. I'm really excited to share my conversation with you that I had with Jeffrey Shaw. Jeffrey became one of the preeminent portrait photographers in the United States. His on-location style and fine craftsmanship made him the go-to photographer for families of C-suite executives of Anheuser-Busch, Twitter, and many others. His portraits have appeared on The Oprah Show, CBS News, in People, and O Magazine, and they hang at Harvard University and the Norman Vincent Peale Center. After 35 years of exceptional service to his exclusive clientele, Jeffrey decided to share his knowledge of business, branding, and marketing to support self-employed and small business owners, as well as progressive-minded companies. And that's where this brings us to today, because Jeffrey's also the author of two books, Lingo, which I've read, and The Self-Employed Life. He's also a LinkedIn learning instructor and a regular contributor to various publications. Our conversation today is going to mostly focus on his brand new book, The Self-Employed Life. Also during this conversation, we talk about Jeffrey's own self-employed journey, which I alluded to earlier, the difference between a self-employed person and a small business, some of the challenges of being self-employed and how to overcome them, We talk about the one thing that you can control or that the business person can control. We talk about hug marketing. And last but not least, if you want to jump to the end in a way or just uh, find out more about Jeffrey, go to jeffreyshaw.com. Now, please help me welcome Jeffrey Shaw. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Fuel Radio. My guest today is Jeffrey Shaw. Jeffrey and I actually met a few years ago at a podcast conference, the New Media Summit in San Diego. Do you remember that, Jeffrey? Uh, Most definitely do. I remember meeting you. (laughs) It was quite an interesting weekend. Like, I know, I don't know about you, but I made contacts there that have, for as far as networking was concerned, it was a great event to participate in. Yeah. 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 Um, Jeffrey's just written a book called The Self Employed life. And uh, I was telling him just before we got on that I'll probably self-reference a little bit here because I feel like I'm a good candidate for your coaching and the book and the whole nine yards, Jeffrey, like it's just right up my alley. And I would imagine it's up the alley of a lot of different people. Like um, it's, it's a timely, as soon as I heard the title and what you're doing, I thought, well, this is really timely because I think with COVID and everything, and there, there's a lot of people that are becoming self-employed, right? Yeah, I had to say, you know, it's got the collision of uh, the most obvious and the most needed at the same time. So the most obvious in that, of course, this is what I should be talking about because I've been self-employed my entire life. Like it's so (laughs) easy to overlook our greatest assets, right? I mean, the fact matter is I, I I tell the story in the book, I started selling eggs door to door when I was 14 years old and I've been self-employed ever since. I mean, by the age of 20, I was a professional photographer. And then over the past 12, 13 years, I've been kind of transitioning out of photography. I still do some of it, um, but concentrating more on coaching and speaking and writing books. and. The fact of the matter is, I, I've never had a traditional job. I've never received a paycheck. So mm-hmm. being self-employed to me is so natural. I actually didn't see how unique it was because it's all I've ever known. It wasn't until actually I was at dinner with a group of uh, fellow speakers and I somehow brought up the idea that I had never received a paycheck from anybody. And yeah. everybody else at the dinner table thought that was so odd. Like, wait a minute, how can that be? You know, so to me, it's the collision of that, like that reality of, oh, I didn't know this was unique. And of course, what I've always known, which I know you find relatable, what I've always known being self-employed my entire life is that, man, all of us, we're out there getting really good at something. We're getting really good at what we do, but nobody teaches us how to make money at this thing. Mm, right. I mean, totally. whether it's For me, it's whether it's being a photographer, a speaker or an author, like you know, we're always improving our skill. And that's been the common denominator with every person I've coached for 13 years. Like they're Mm -hmm. really good at something, but what they're good at is an industry that no one teaches us how to make money at it. 
So there was that. And then the timing issue you brought up was kind of profound because honestly, I've always considered myself someone where my timing is usually a little off. I'm usually ahead of the curve, behind the curve. This is a case where, yeah. yeah, this is a case where I wrote a book and as the book is coming out, a pandemic hits. Well, not even so much as it comes out as I was writing it because it came out in May of 2021. And I was started writing this book in the fall of 2019, having no idea that as I'm writing this book in 2020, there are millions of people that are going to become self-employed. Hmm. And not just because of job loss, but what we're looking at right now here today is the massive number of people, you know, the great resignation, right? The massive number of people who are just choosing to not go back to work are choosing to not go back to the crazy lifestyle they were living and are realizing that often self-employment is the route to actually build the life that you want. Mm -hmm. So the timing is uh, profoundly good. And like I said, that's, that's been the biggest surprise to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. One thing that really jumped out at me when I was looking at your website was that you differentiate between the self-employed life and a small business. Like there's a difference between being self-employed and, and like the penny dropped for me right away. It's like, okay, occasionally I'm hiring contractors and stuff like that to work with me, but I really don't have any employees. It's really, really up to me. I'm wondering if you could just say a little bit more yeah. about that differentiation. Yeah, it's interesting because this... Um... This was something I felt was ironically, as we're having this conversation on this day, I'm actually broadcasting an episode on my own podcast, which actually breaks down the definitions of each of these things we call ourselves. So your timing for this question is amazing. I actually, you know, I, I felt it was really important to find for multiple reasons why we refer to ourselves by these different categories we tend to call ourselves. And quite honestly, Rod, it was actually content, it was the back of the book. But as we were editing the book, there was such a consensus. This was so important. It's actually chapter one. Like we mm. start off by explaining the difference between small business, entrepreneur, self-employed, freelancer, and why each of these things is important. So small business, as it turns out, is the most commonly used term. And I know this because I've done keyword research. My website is, is keyworded around small business because that's what it takes to get people there. Mm -hmm. Once they're there, I want them to understand I am specifically for self-employed business owners, but two huge realities. One is self-employed people don't use the term self-employed. Like if you're looking for a coach, you would search business coach, small business. It wouldn't occur to you to search for self-employed business coach, mm -hmm. right? right? We don't, we don't innately use the term. And here's the problem with that. First of all, in a practical sense, the problem with it is that Many of us are in businesses that are too small to be considered small business by the government, mm -hmm. which puts us at risk of not getting financial aid, not should there be, but when there's another catastrophe, such as a pandemic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's from a practical sense, it's important to distinguish ourselves from small. I actually hope in the US anyway, and I know you're in Canada, but here in the US, my dream is that there becomes a department for the self-employed separate from small business administration. Yeah. I saw that you even set up an advocacy group. Like you want people to join yeah. And, yeah, yeah. that are in this position, right? And yeah. that came as a direct request from uh, an organization here in the US called the National Association for the Self-Employed. Hmm. They specific, I interviewed the CEO on my podcast and he asked that I, that I, I, create a grassroots movement because he believes that there will be an opportunity to create separate benefits, health benefits, et cetera, for self-employed. And that um, we may need so masses, much. right? Yeah, we, that yeah. we may need masses numbers of people to, to gather. Yeah. But the other, here's the other reason why I personally think it's so important that we take on ownership of this term self-employed is because it is the only term that accurately lets the world know our lifestyle, what we're up against, and it's our business model. Entrepreneur mm -hmm. is a really cool term. It makes us feel really cool to say we're an entrepreneur. The problem is, I mean, the term is used so loosely, it could sound like you're in between jobs. And it says nothing about you being a legitimate business owner. Mm -hmm. So for all those reasons, and, and honestly, many more, I, I really think we're looking at a time where one of, one of the, the missions of my work today, and certainly of the book, is to really give ownership to the term self-employed and encourage people to use it. Awesome. 
I feel like today's conversation with Jeffrey is so right up my alley. I've been working in online marketing virtually since online marketing began. And I'm associated with a company called aim.digital. And we really want to set you up for success. One of the things that we found that helps with that is that no one size fits all. So sometimes companies will offer marketing packages. We find it's best to just sit down with people, especially self-employed people who do some of their marketing on their own. They do a little DIY. And then what works well for self-employed people is that we come in and try and fill in the gaps and make sure that you have a comprehensive marketing plan that's going to bring you new business and actually help you to serve your current customers even better as well. The company that I'm associated with is called aim.digital and we have tools for email. We can improve your website or build you a website if you don't have one. We have CRM, customer relation management tools and more. If you're in need of some help with your marketing and sales, let's have a chat. Email me at rod at aim.digital. That's rod, R-O-D, at A-I-M dot digital, D-I-G-I-T-A-L. Or go right to my booking calendar and find a time that's convenient for you by going to rodjans, R-O-D-J-A-N-Z, dot youcanbook.me. That's rodjans, youcanbook.me. And now back to our episode. I know you can probably relate to this, but like I finished up a job in 2018 and I was just, <laughs> I, I realized at that time, I don't make a great employee. And, and I've been, I've been sort of self-employed and employed uh, most of my working career as well. And, and now I just can't, there's just no way I want to go back to, to, uh, to that kind of, <laughs> it, it really is sort of a lifestyle choice. I mean, I, I know I work harder now, I work longer, but there's just something about working for yourself and not having that. I had my last boss was like checking the clock to see what time I was coming in in the morning, you know? And it, I actually think that's the biggest, I think that's the problem. We're looking at a workforce problem right now, honestly, yeah. is because not only people are reprioritizing their life, but employees, excuse me, employers aren't understanding that their best employees of the future are actually self-employed minded. Mm. Even if they choose to not own their own business. I hear what you're fact, saying. Yeah. Right. By hu- as humans, we want independence. We want, I mean, right. look at millennials have been asking for this all along. Like they had it right all <laughs> along. Like they want remote work. They want freedom. They want to be given the tasks that need to get done, but not the hours that they have to get them done within. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a way of yeah. thinking that we self-employed people. I just think, I honestly think the mindset of being self-employed is more aligned to human ways of living. Mm -hmm. The workforce that we've been living under, this industrial age antiquated model was never about human nature. It was about productivity. And Mm -hmm. we're looking at a whole different way of thinking now that I think there's going to be massive numbers of self-employed business owners. And you're looking at a mentality shift within workforces that actually people are going to function more self-employed minded, Mm -hmm. even if they choose to work for somebody else. Yeah. I I can think of my wife who, uh, she owns her own spa business. And I mean, right now it's been mostly mobile spa. It's kind of cool. Like she'll go out to people's places and they set up in the dining room or the living room or during the summer out on their porch. and, And yeah, it's just beautiful. But because she's owned her own business most of her life too, she also has a part time job. And, but her attitude, I think is very different than some of the other employees. She has this self-employed ownership mindset, even though she's working for someone else, she understands the frustrations and all of the things that the owner of that business goes through. And that makes her a very different employee. Like when you said, um, we want people who have this sort of ownership, self-employed mindset, if we're going to hire uh, people, you know, yeah. in, a, in a small business. Yeah. Yeah. I think it should be encouraged. I mean, I, when I wrote the book, I'd originally told my speaking rep to not focus on getting me corporate gigs because I'm thinking what company is going to want to bring me in to talk about, you know, their employees becoming self-employed. Oh, yeah. uh, but once the book was out again, it was another topic that kind of came up that I realized there's actually a huge opportunity for corporate gigs and training where I can actually encourage companies 
to leverage the opportunity with employees who are more self-employed minded. Mm -hmm. As I said, you know, there are those of us like me and you that love owning our own business. There's, there's a whole, certainly a whole other group of people that have that mindset, but they don't necessarily want that added burden of responsibility, perhaps to own their own business. But we just, we want to think like humans. We want to, like I said, I, we want to be told, we want to be given goals and let loose to meet those goals because of the deep personal satisfaction that comes from meeting our goals in life, rather than the time frame in which that goal has to be met. Because it's just, it's just a false number, right? Saying that we had to work nine to five, it's just somebody made it up, but some people work better 11 o'clock. I, I'm, I get a huge second wind at 11 o'clock at night. Like that's, mm. I'm incredibly <laughs> productive, particularly around numbers. Oh, yeah. you know, most people, they say, you know, if you look at scientifically, most people's brains aren't as effective with numbers late at night. For me, it's 11 o'clock at night. Numbers are firing in my head. That's when I do sales projections of bookkeeping, accounting, you know, so I, but being self-employed, I can work with my own circadian rhythm. I can leverage my, my, my own way of being to the best mm -hmm. it is. And yeah. I think we have to allow employees to do the same. Right. Right. I know for myself, sometimes I'm thinking, oh, I, you know, like something will interrupt my typical work day. And I'm like, no, this is, this is why I do this. It's like, yeah. yeah so I can go like on Friday, the battery died on our car. <laughs> and <laughs> Um, cause I left the door open earlier in the week and killed the battery and my wife was stranded. But, you know, if I was at, at work or at a job, it might've been difficult for me to get out of there and go take care of that. And I was able to just drop everything and, and give her a hand, you know, like, um, or at least take her call and get her home and then go and get a battery and get the car back on the road before the end of the day, you know? So, um, anyways, it's just one of the great. It's one of the benefits of working for yourself. For sure. Another thing though, is just to transition is it's not, um, it, it's not necessarily an easy life. Like there are some difficulties and some, there's some real challenges to being self-employed. I'm wondering if we could talk about some of those, you know, the one that immediately comes to my mind is that, yeah, it's great that I can drop everything and go help my wife do that. But also I've hardly taken a holiday of any kind in the last three years as well. Like, I just feel like if I'm not working, I'm not making money in some cases and some of the contracts I have. Yeah. Um, in other cases, it's and you can probably appreciate this, it's the contract is set up where just get the work done. They're not, they're not keeping track of my hours or anything like that. Get the work done, get the results. And I, I love those. <laughs> Yeah. Those contracts. Right. But yeah. Yeah. What are, what are some of the challenges that, that you uh, see and, and address in your book? Gosh, you know, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. There are different challenges. I think there's uh, first of all, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in not fighting against the challenges, right? So one of the mm -hmm. challenges we often face is that our brains hardly ever shut off. You know, we're trying to do something with our families, uh, some or something entertaining. And, you know, that our businesses are running in the back of our mind as a tape. And mm -hmm. rather, I find for myself, and I know many of my coaching clients have responded well to this, that instead of fighting against it, just try to get it out of your head as quickly as possible. So for example, I'm an avid kayaker, something my partner and I do often. So we're on the, we're on the water run. You know, I live, I live here in Miami on the ocean. So we're out on the ocean kayaking often. And you know, the moment we all know the moment we shower, drive in the car, do something where our brain is, you know, kind of shut off. That's when the best ideas are going to come. But rather than fight it, what I've learned to do is just execute an idea. Right. So I always, I always have my mobile with me, my mobile phone. So even kayaking, I have it on a waterproof case it's around my neck because rather than fight with my brain, like trying to hold on to a good thought or pretend that I'm not distracted because I'm trying to respect the people I'm with, you know, mm -hmm. you're at dinner and a great idea comes and you're trying to be respectful. I just have learned for me to not try to shut it off, but rather just get it out of my head as quickly as possible and just write it down. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Rod, even bigger than one of the biggest challenges, and there's in a way there's this odd compliment in it, but I think one of the biggest challenges we face being self-employed is that, you know, one of my somewhat joking lines that I say all the time is that when you're self-employed, you experience the best of times and the worst of times at the same time, all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, that is a reality. Like there's I cannot tell you how many times in my own life and how often clients tell me that 
you know, they're in the middle of a great business event, book launch, big business venture. And at the same time, there's something going on in their personal lives. So, you know, somebody's ill, some, you know, there's marriage issues, relationship issues. Like it is unbelievable how often we have these really good events happening in our, in our business and our lives. And at the same time, something difficult is going on. Life keeps happening. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's one of those, you know, we just don't get the opportunity to shut those things off. You know, our lives are far more blended, you know, uh, between our business life and our personal life. And interestingly enough, where I said there's kind of inherently a compliment, it, a compliment in it is that the more you're a door, the more likely that's going to be the case, right? If you're, if you're somebody who's sitting on the couch, that's how you're living your life. Not there's not nearly as great of a likelihood that you're going to have a good thing and a bad thing happening at the same time. But the more you're out there being a doer, in fact, the more you're stirring the pot, the more you're doing and accomplishing in your business, mm-hmm. it's far more likely that while you're accomplishing, something's going to be challenging you. So I find that to be kind of a harsh reality that people need to wake up to because I found that really challenging when I was younger. That I kept thinking, why can't I just enjoy the good thing? And I would find it so frustrating that something challenging had to be going on at the same time. Again, I've learned to just say, well, that's the reality. And the more you work with the reality of what is, and there are certain realities to being self-employed, there are certain realities to being a successful minded person, the more you could just accept the consequences of that. I think the more you live in peace and the more you live in peace, the more you work in flow. And then I think you get to the results you want. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, acceptance is a wonderful concept and thing to simple, uh, but boy, does acceptance can go a long ways. Yeah, yeah, and accept the good and the bad, and maybe even just drop the label of both. Like, yeah. just accept what's going on, right? It is. <laughs> yep, it's like they teach you in meditation, right? It's not about judging the thought. It's not yeah. about judging the thought that's creating a monkey mind. It's exactly. just it is what it is, and accepting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you talk a little bit about control. And control of your business, and uh, um, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have the book yet, but I'm imagining what you're talking about is that sometimes our books, or our lives, or our businesses, sorry, they tend to control us rather than the other way around. Is that what you're getting well, at? And maybe can you, know, you suggest some things for us? Long there? before yeah. I was writing this book, I, I it was kind of my own weird version of a cocktail party conversation, but because I just found it really fascinating, I would ask people like, "Why did you become self-employed?" Mm. And Rod, over years and years of asking this question, everybody has some variation of the exact same answer. Everybody, you know, why'd you become self-employed? Everybody says, well, I wanted to control my destiny. I want to control my future, or I want to control the hours that I worked. To which I would then have fun replying, so how's that going for you? (laughs) Right? And everybody laughs. I'm like, yeah, it hasn't really been the reality. And that is, I call it, I refer to it in the book as the myth of self-employment. Like the irony is we choose self-employment to control our destiny. And what we realize when we're in it is that we're entering completely uncontrollable circumstances, Mm. right? Economies go up and down, markets change, trends change. And now when you know it, we now know that there can be global pandemics, right? Right. I mean, who knew that two years ago? Yeah. So the fact is you're entering uncontrollable circumstances. That's not a doomsday prediction. And that's not trying to talk people out of becoming self-employed because there's a solution. And the solution is actually what I teach in the book. The solution is actually, I'm, I'm just this week, actually launching the self-employed business Institute, which I'm looking at as the biggest game changer I've ever created because now I'm, I've created the educational, what's a five month program. I've created the educational platform to teach self-employed people businesses business strategies because nobody else is teaching it. Mm -hmm. And here's the solution to that feeling that I wanted to control my destiny, but it's all out of control. The solution is what I refer to as a self-employed ecosystem. The Mm -hmm. self-employed ecosystem, because, because there's little to no division between our personal lives and our business lives, that's why we need an ecosystem because we don't have the luxury of separating, compartmentalizing these things. So what you realize is that going back to acceptance, if you just accept that, what you realize is that what you need is a healthy and thriving ecosystem where all the parts are working in a healthy manner. And those three parts, the three parts of the ecosystem are your personal development, because like it or not, your level of success is directly proportionate to your level of personal development. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You you will only be as successful as you raise yourself up to believing you're capable of first. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your personal development has to be a capacity that's constantly increasing to welcome more success. Then, of course, you need business strategies. The business strategies for self-employed businesses need to be right-sized. They need to work for our size businesses, and they tend to need to be relationship-based because the rest of the world is very transaction-based. We are very relationship-based, so we need different strategies. And then the third part of the self-employed ecosystem are daily habits. These are super time-efficient because Self-employed people won't give things a lot of time if it's going to take up too much of their time, but super time efficient, but consistent mindsets and habits that even out the dramatic ups and downs that we experience in business. So those are the three parts of the ecosystem. And here is the fundamental principle of a self-employed ecosystem. While the circumstances of the world and being in business self-employed are uncontrollable, the one thing that you can take control of is you have to you can create the environment for the results you want. That is that is the solution to me, for me. That is after thirty seven years of being self employed. That to me is the answer to all the chaos of being self employed. Is the only thing you can do is create the environment for the results you want. And what I love about that, I did an email recently, and I, I referred to this as the sweet spot between action and manifestation. Right. There's a lot of people that kind of lean into more of the other. Like some people are so action oriented, but they wonder why they're working hard, but hardly getting ahead. And then there are other people who are so manifestation oriented that they're not getting results. They're just, you know, they're, they're just they're spending too much time meditating. They're just not getting there. Right. <laughs> the sweet spot is this idea that if you take the action and create the environment for the results you want. The manifestation part comes from trusting that what you built and what you created will bring you the results you want. And there's a fair amount of trust that that it requires, right? So this, this to me is the answer of business. And everything I realized that when I really got this, I realized everything I've ever taught has actually been exactly the same theme. My previous book called Lingo is a, it teaches brand message strategy. What it does actually is through words, it creates the brand messaging to attract the ideal customers you want. Mm -hmm. This book, The Self-Employed Life, teaches how to create the self-employed ecosystem to get the the results in business and life that you want. And that's exactly what we're doing, a much deeper dive in the Self-Employed Business Institute. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's that's what I mean about control. It's actually controlling the only thing you can really control is the environment for the results you want. Sounds fantastic. I I think the time that I experienced that the most, and I I mean, there's lots of self-employed people that this is what they do is what I was involved in a multi-level business and they, they provided us with the actions and I consistently took that action. And, uh, and then, like you say, kind of had that attitude of leaving it up to, you know, the higher power of the universe or whatever to manifest the results. And it, it was a really good, experience that I think could be applied to any sort of business. I know a lot of people don't like multi-level, but um, it was just a good experience in like creating that environment. Of course, they provided professional development. And um, and I've heard lots of people say this, that you know they've gone on to be CEOs of companies and, and successful in other arenas of life. And they say, looking back on our my experience in a multi-level company, I applied a lot of the principles that I learned there to, they're no longer involved, but to what I'm doing now. And I think they do a lot of these things really well, you know, and as uh, soon as you mentioned that, I thought it's so true that that's where I learned some of this stuff and experienced it firsthand. And I'll give you an exact, an exact example of of environment, right? So we're talking about is creating the environment for the results you want. This is actually a funny twist on, on the environment. So when I, moved to, well, I was considering moving to Miami from New York city where I'd lived most of my life. So six years ago, I came down to Miami in the back of my mind thinking I could move here. Uh, and several people told me to visit this area on Miami beach called South of fifth, which meant it was the five blocks South of fifth street. Mm-hmm. But quite honestly, I didn't really want to live in Miami beach. It's not a lifestyle. I think that it's too much partying. It's just not my lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of kept pushing aside that suggestion. But finally I went and I checked out this neighborhood called South of fifth and I fell instantly in love. Like it was just 
gorgeous and beautiful. And I had a vibe to it that I loved. And within two or three days, I found an apartment, signed a lease, traded in my SUV that I drove down from New York City and bought a you know mini Cooper and you know, something <laughs> more ready for the beach. And it called my kids and said, I'm not coming back. Like within three days, I just, I changed my entire life wow. because I fell so in love with this area. So shortly after I went to have an appointment with a new accountant, because now I realize I'm living in a new state. I need a new accountant. And I mentioned to the accountant, I said, well, so much for saving money in Florida. Cause I was under this idea that Florida was cheaper. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm paying the same rent as I was paying in New York city. The difference is it's a bigger apartment. It's on the beach, but it's the same expense. Yeah. He said to me, he goes, well, you do not realize the area you chose to live was designed to attract New Yorkers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean it's designed to attract New Yorkers? He goes, oh, the park in the center is modeled after Battery Park in New York City. And I'm realizing, oh, wow. oh yeah, he's right. That's why I loved it. And then he said, didn't, didn't you notice the Smith & Walensky Steakhouse restaurant in the middle of the park? I'm like, that's, a, that's an iconic Manhattan restaurant. I realized, Rod, I was actually duped by my own concept. Like the whole concept, like these builders literally created an environment that was so familiar to mm. New Yorkers that when I stepped in there, I felt like I was home. So I made yeah. it my home. Amazing. Right? Yeah. They literally created the environment. Like I said, it's a literal example of what we're talking about here. Like they literally created the environment. Mm -hmm. I didn't go with a realtor. I mean, they didn't, once you create the environment, they didn't have to do a thing. I mm -hmm. sold myself right. on wanting to live there because they yeah. they got they created the environment, they got the result they want. The result they wanted was they built a neighborhood where crazy people like me coming from New York were so used to paying a lot of money in rent that this seemed normal. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, it was just it was a profound example of just that, creating the environment for the results you want. Yeah, excellent. Creating the environment for the results you want. And then I guess you could pay that forward or whatever and think about your clients and doing the same thing for them like creating the environment creating an environment where they're going to purchase 100%. or buy or participate in whatever you you are offering yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's 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 uh, it's goes both ways to your point like it's understanding the results you want for your own business and life right to me I'm a big I'm really big on reverse engineering I like to decide what's the life I want to live how do I then make business decisions to fulfill that Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, and again, one of the advantages of being self-employed is every business decision I've ever made has been driven by how I want to live first, my lifestyle. And, um, and then you can fit the pieces of your business to, to meet that goal. So we're constantly, we have the luxury of constant reverse engineering. So you decide how you want to live, you adjust your business. So you're creating the env environment for the results you want. And then you do the same for your clients. Like how do you create the environment that's so comfortable and familiar to them the result you want is that you want them to choose you. And that's why like my previous book, Lingo, about brand messaging and the strategies taught in this book, The Self-Employed Life, at the end of the day, there are strategies for you to run your business, to get the customers, right, that support yeah. your business to get the results you want to live the life that you want. Yeah. And it's a great time to be alive too, isn't it? Like it's we can make those kinds of decisions now. Like you can literally do... Most of the, a lot of the things that we would like to do for our self-employment, you, you can almost do them for, from anywhere. Like you can choose one, one of my reasons, one of my, um, I got, I received some coaching at the time that I sort of launched, relaunched Fuel Radio a few years ago. And my whole thing was living a Wi-Fi lifestyle. So working from where I want, when I want, with whom I want, you know, and it's, it's possible today. Right. So I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is one of the things you encourage people to do is to figure those things out first and then reverse engineer. Is that how you, you coach people? And, 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 and is that what you encourage people to do? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I say the phrase all the time. My goal is to help people create the business and life of their dreams. And we called the book, the self-employed life, because the life component was really important to me. You know, it, <laughs> it easily could have been how to build a successful self-employed business. I mean, there's a, there were a lot of, it's, it, it, to read it, the content almost reads a lot like a how-to because it's so meaty in content and strategy. Uh, people are referring to it as a resource book, the Bible for self-employed. You know, it's something that you would leave out and you go back to all the time. It easily could have been a how-to book, yeah. but I insisted that we that that the the feeling of the title of the book 
It needed to be about the life of self-employed people. It needed to be about the fact that self-employed people choose that route in business to build the life they want. Mm -hmm. So that's why at the end of the day, it's the self-employed life. Like it's, it's how to use self-employment as a means to get the life that you want. And I agree with you a hundred percent that these are unbelievably fantastic times to live in a lot of ways. And here you and I are having this conversation while there's still a global pandemic going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So how, you know, and I don't want to dismiss the pain and tragedy that this has caused with so many people. Mm-hmm. This for me, I, I look at this as my third crisis. I was uh, living in New York during 9-11, uh, lost friends, lost clients. We all lost people. Uh, my business survived the Great Recession, which that hit most hard, the most affluent, which are the people I served as a photographer. So it was a, that was a tough road. Uh, and then here we are again with the global pandemic. But he, here, there are two, I'd say, broader changes that I've seen. One is in the 37 years I've been in business, people make a decision about who they do business with more from an energetic decision today than they ever have. Mm. Right? Uh, I love the Maya Angelou quote, the classic quote that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. That's more important in business now than ever, because people are choosing who to do business with on whether how they feel about that brand favorably or unfavorably. Right. right? That's a big change because in all the years I've been in business, you know, years ago, you would just, you would get hired because you're the best at what you did today. You don't get hired because you're the best at what you do. You get hired because of how people feel about you. And I, I like that in a human evolution way. I like that. Mm -hmm. The other big change after having now gone through three crises in business, I can tell you after every crisis, people's values shift in a way that makes us more human. People's values shift in a way that I think overall is good for humanity. So yes, this global pandemic has created catastrophic loss for millions of people. That is heartbreaking. What we're seeing now is people are deciding that they're going to create the business and life of their dreams. I mean, if you don't get now that life is short, as cliche as it is, if you don't get it now, what the hell is it going to take? Yeah. So what we have is humanity deciding that life is valuable. Mm -hmm. Humanity is deciding that time is limited and I'm going to make the best of my time here. Humanity is deciding that I'm going to leave my corporate job and start my own thing because I want to have more impact on the world. Mm. At the end of the day, Rod, these are really good values for the world. So I do think beyond the technology, I think this is an amazing time Mm -hmm. to be in business because I think we have, I think humanity is actually evolving at a faster rate than I think a lot of people can handle, which is Mm -hmm. why we have such conflict. There are some people are trying to hold on like, no, no, let's, let's pretend we're 30 years ago. And other people are like, no, no, but we're not the same society. We want to move forward. I think that's why we're getting a lot of the, the conflict that we're seeing. Man, I'm so glad you brought those points up. That's, that's so fantastic. I think I'm still, I think in terms of marketing, I think what often maybe I get caught in the trap of doing is, um, and and I know other people, and maybe I encourage my clients to do this. Unfortunately, too, is try to portray that you are the you're the best at what you do, and and maybe ignoring and forgetting about how are you making people feel in in the midst of it. Yeah, um, you know, it's yeah. I, I can speak to that as a photographer for you know the most affluent people in the United States. I mean it was never that I was the best photographer because that's so Mm. subjective. I actually, I have several photographer friends of mine that I think are better photographers than I am. And it was, it even goes beyond experience. Of course, my clients had a good experience, but so did the clients of these other photographers have good experiences. They're just for my, I was the best. I, I would never say I was the best photographer, but I will say I'm the best photographer for the people I served. Mm. Right, because there was a feeling, and, and in in the book and in uh, in the Business Institute, one of the you could look at this as a strategy, but there's a bigger point to the strategy. The strategy is called hug marketing. Hug marketing is my answer to marketing funnels, which I have always disliked. Uh-huh. I I totally understand marketing funnels. You're speaking uh, my language again, yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I tend to look at I tend to look at the energy of things. I mean, I wrote a book yeah. called Lingo. Like I I put a lot of emphasis on the energy of words, and I think yeah. marketing funnels are creepy. 
I think marketing funnels for self-employed people tend to force us to be in a business in a way that doesn't feel natural to us. Mm -hmm. Like we're trying to, we're, we're open-hearted and broad-minded at the top with a goal one step at a time to squeeze people through a small hole. It doesn't have the energy that, that self-employed business owners like. Mm -hmm. So I've changed this into what I call hug marketing, which is as a diagram or as a series of concentric circles. Mm -hmm. And the goal is how do we take people from the furthermost circles, people that are watching us, but we don't know who they are. How do you strategically bring them in one circle at a time? The Mm -hmm. ultimate goal being one step beyond becoming a customer. They become a customer, but the real goal is they become a hug customer. They're Mm -hmm. the customer that you wouldn't imagine seeing in person that you wouldn't give them a hug. Those are the customers that become your advocates. They're loyal customers. They tell other people they're your sources of referrals. And it's, you know, it's not just a business strategy. It is a way of being in business that again, it's not about being the best at what you do. Mm-hmm. It's having creating a, a feeling for your customers that they understand energetically that your goal is to build a huggable relationship. <laughs> not this energy of, I just want them for their business. Or in these days, a fist pounder. And, or, uh, yeah, a, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, a hug forearm. takes on a different medium. <laughs> but you know, I, I posted on social recently just to that point, because I actually just got back from a trip to Hawaii yeah. and I was there initially as a, for, as a photo shoot. I had one of my clients wanted to do their photo shoot in Hawaii. So we went, but we extended the trip and stayed longer. And I, I expressed that in today's world, a hug can look different ways, but here, sure. I think you'll find some humor in this. One of the ways I've always known when I achieved hug status with my clients is that the kids, the children that I photograph they all call me by my whole first name. Like to mm. the kids, my name is Jeffrey Shaw. Like it's one oh, word, yeah. Jeffrey Shaw, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I don't know why that is. It's just the way the words blend together. But all the children I have photographed over 37 years, when they call me Jeffrey Shaw, uh-huh. that's like a hug. Like yeah. it's almost like a secret <laughs> handshake. Like sure. there's a way I've achieved a level of intimacy with them. They just, Jeffrey Shaw is here. Jeffrey Shaw, do you want me to stand here? Jeffrey Shaw, can we take the pictures over here? Like they call me by my one, the whole name, one word. There's a, there's an intimacy to that, that it doesn't have to be a physical hug. I just know I've achieved a level of intimacy with the client, particularly Mm -hmm. the children that feels that it feels like a hug. Yeah. Cool. I, I maybe missed it. Is there a place where you talk about this some more? Do you talk about it in the self-employed life or in in lingo or any? Yeah. So hug marketing is, it's probably the meatiest part of the book, the self-employed life. Okay. Um, Great. Great. And in the book, part of the reason why I started the self-employed business Institute is because a book is a book. I mean, and it's, it's, it's as deep as a book can be, but what I realized is that to get people from the most outer ring, what I refer to as lurkers, Mm -hmm. like there's an actual business strategy to get people to go from being a lurker to coming in one more step to becoming a curious and then going from curious to engaged, engaged to connected and connected to becoming a customer and a customer to becoming a hug customer. In each of those stages, there's a, a business strategies, whether it's social media, content marketing, email marketing, there's a, there's a business strategy to each of those steps that can't possibly be taught in depth enough in a book. That's why I started the Business Institute because okay. over five months. So it's not only the meatiest part of the book, it's also the meatiest part of the Business Institute mm-hmm. where we go through step-by-step step of the whole hug marketing system uh, and actually teach best practices for social media, email marketing, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. I'm so glad you're doing that. It makes a lot of sense. Like I think the um, I think I think what happens is self-employed people often try to employ small business or medium-sized business marketing strategies, and it just doesn't work. They don't have the time. They don't have the energy. They don't have the know-how. And so they got to do it. They got to do it differently, you know? And, and um, so that's, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I use the term right-sized a lot, and I don't know whether that really resonates, mm-hmm. um, but there's a way when you're self-employed, there's a way in which your, your marketing strategies need to be right-sized. You know, mm-hmm. we can get ideas from bigger companies, but we have to change it up because chances are almost definitely our businesses are relationally based. 
<laughs> and there's a degree of intimacy that we have to build with our customers than a larger business would have to. You know, I, I yeah. in my keynotes, I talk a lot about busting up the Pareto principle. The Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. Right. Which, you know, mathematically, I don't want to argue the point, but basically what it says is 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. My issue with that is, is that in today's world, where it is so difficult to get people's attention, we self-employed business owners don't have time to waste our time on eight out of 10 customers. Because if 80% of our business is coming from 20% of our customers, what that's saying is you're wasting your time on eight out of 10 people. Mm -hmm. We don't have the time. You're right. Like you're we so need right. yeah. all our customers to. So that's why, <laughs> you know, when I say right size, it's about getting ideas, but figuring out how we can have the highest rate of conversion, how mm -hmm. we can create the deepest relationships, how we can get the same customers coming back over and over again. So it's building on itself rather than always, uh, you know, acquiring new customers. So there's a way in which, like I said, I, I don't know if right size, I don't know if a lot of people get what I mean with, with that, but there's a way in which the world around us is constantly needing to be translated to what fits for us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This just sounds so good. All of this. And I just, before we wrap up, I'm just wondering if you have like a, a customer or client story or someone that you just you just love that has incorporated some of these principles, maybe through coaching or whatever, anonymous, of course, but yeah. Can you just tell us a story as we wrap up of somebody who's, who's uh, living the self-employed life? I loved working with this, this I'll say company, cause they were a little larger than most of my, uh, right. Well, not necessarily. They were a team of, I think about five or six people, but they were, they're financial planners, uh, specifically for around retirement. Mm. And what I realized in working with them, as people often do in this, their industry was they were marketing death. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of my first phone calls with them, I was like, you know, you're, you're essentially marketing death, right? Because what they're doing is they were promoting the idea that, you know, save now, you know, save your money for retirement, mm -hmm. set up your account, you know, make sure you're prepared what you're going to leave with your kids. Yeah. Like it was very much. And I asked them like, what's the target age of what's their demographic their, of mm -hmm. their ideal client. And it's somewhere between, you know, 45 and 65. I'm 57. Actually mm -hmm. the CEO of the company and I happen to be the same age. And I could tell just by seeing him on zoom, he was a young, energetic fit guy. And I'd said to him, I said, I don't know how you feel. I said, but at 57 years old, I don't feel like I'm putting myself out to pasture. I feel like I'm just starting. Yeah. I said, you know, I think what we need to do is completely rebrand your business from mm -hmm. marketing death to actually promoting preparedness because you have a lot of life to live. Right. And it just yeah. was such a mindset shift internally that it changed their marketing, changed their whole ecosystem of their business yeah. because I provided for, you know, first to me, I had to create the mindset shift. So they thought about their business differently Yeah, because you know, we needed to change the branding and website, but then it, then we changed the, we were able to change the, the business strategy behind that. I don't I, I like that story because it's something we all experience, particularly I find the people I work with today, and I actually mm -hmm. a chapter in the book uh, called midlife self-employed because a huge percentage of the people I work with today are somewhere between 45 and 65 and even 70, yeah. right? I mean, there's a massive number of people who are looking to do more purposeful work at this mm -hmm. stage in their life. And yeah. that often means leaving the corporate job and starting their own business. Right. Uh, and I, I work almost entirely with people in that age group. Like I don't do a lot of startup mm -hmm. work. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I could see how I could. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I by far more enjoy the people who have some life experience, even experience mm -hmm. in business yeah. are really driven by the motivation that they want to do something more purposeful in their life. Mm -hmm. They recognize that, uh, on one hand, they have a lot of life to live ahead of them, but they're yeah. also mature enough to recognize, I don't want to take five years to figure it out on my own. So I'm going to hire a coach. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. there's this, there's an interesting balance between feeling like they're just beginning and recognizing that life isn't forever. That's who I love to work with. Excellent. And we should mention that you are a coach and um, I can totally see the value when you are self-employed. I have a coach of, you know, when you're self-employed is having a coach so that you, yeah, like you, 
things don't take as long to accomplish, right. yeah. but also a, a coach can sometimes ask you those questions or even make those suggestions like you made for that financial planning company that just change everything. Yeah. And, uh, and then a coach is there to help you walk, walk those things out. So yeah. it's honestly why I became a coach. I had, I had hired my first coach in 1999, long before it was, was cool. I used to say, I used to, in 1999, <laughs> I was doing yoga and hiring a business coach, like two things you didn't tell all the people you were doing because you were considered flaky. Again, um, you're before your time there. <laughs> exactly, apparently. But I yeah. I worked with my first coach. I hired him in 1999. I worked with him for seven years. We spoke three times a month for seven mm. years. Wow. And when he retired uh, from coaching, which was actually his second profession, uh, when he retired, I just, that's what inspired me to become a coach. It's like, wow, I want to do for others what he did for me. Uh, awesome. because inherently being self-employed, one of the biggest challenges I hear from people is that they're lonely. Right. It's a lonely road. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And you could be surrounded with people. You could be surrounded with employees and, uh, and customers, but it innately still feels like it's lonely because every decision is sitting on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, I think coaching is, it's just such a, a valuable experience to have that uh, shared experience. And yeah, right on. Well, I think that's a good place to finish up. You brought up so many good things today. So thank you for, for taking the time. And I'm sure our, our listeners will appreciate this. I'm on a, I'm on a webpage, but that seems to have practically everything that you're here involved in. It's very comprehensive, but maybe you could tell people where to go to find out more information about the things that we've been talking about today. Sure. Well, the main URL is jeffreyshaw.com. Um, yeah. And in there you can find your way to uh, the selfemployedlife.me is actually the book page, the selfemployedlife.me. Um, that's where the, the book resides and other things around it. Uh, the Self-Employed Business Institute is a brand new. Um, that is a link to that on the main website as well. So I would probably start at jeffreyshaw.com and uh, follow the links. And when does the Business Institute kick off? Is that something people can join at any time or is it time specific? It's somewhat time specific. Uh, and on a date where you and I are speaking, it starts in two days at the first okay. cohort. Uh, the All cohort right. is five months, but, yeah. uh, and this is the first cohort of this new, new venture, but we will be doing two cohorts a year in the future. It's a five month program. Okay. So it's intentionally designed, uh, so that, um, you know, we do five, five month cohort, take a month off and then the next five months. Um, so there will okay. always, if anybody's interested, they can always reach out to me. There will always be cohorts in the future. Okay, excellent. I don't think I'm going to get this out in two days. So yeah, um, yeah, people, I, if they're would interested, expect so yeah. but let me know the there's, there's next one's coming right around the corner. The next one will be this one runs September through January. So the next yeah. cohort will start in March of 2022. Right on. right on. And I hope people will join me. I'm definitely going to pick up the book and, uh, and, and give it a read. And I hope others will, will do that too. So yeah, again, Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time today. This has been awesome. Great. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation.